The world is changing fast, but you can learn it at a slower pace. Special English. You're listening to Special English. Here is the news. Chongqing, Jiangbei International Airport in southwest China's Chongqing municipality has added and resumed several international routes during the summer travel peak. This year's summer travel rush started on July the 1st and will last until August the 31st to meet the travel needs of domestic and international tourists Chongqing Airlines resumed direct flights between Chongqing and the Thai island of Phuket on July the 1st, and Xiamen Airlines has launched a new flight from Chongqing to Kuala Lumpur, the capital of Malaysia. Chongqing Jiangbei International Airport is expected to handle more than 8 million passengers during the summer travel peak, with more than 55,000 flights taking off and landing at the airport, exceeding the level recorded in the summer of 2019. Since the beginning of this year, the number of international and regional passenger flights at the airport has increased significantly. Routes from Chongqing to London, Rome, Madrid, Budapest, Dubai, Seoul, Hong Kong and Taipei have been resumed or opened. The summer travel rush is usually a busy season for China's rail and air travel services as college students return home and transport demand for holidays and family visits soars. You're listening to Special English. Riverside scene at the Qingming Festival, one of the greatest ink wash paintings in Chinese history, has been brought to life. Thanks to the latest advances in digital technology, the over five meter long scroll by Song Dynasty painter Zhang Zeduan is currently being displayed at the Nanning International Convention and Exhibition Centre in Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region, where a dynamic digital version of this famous panorama is being shown on vast digital screens. This digital moving scroll measures 128 meters long by over six meters high and is scaled up to a size hundreds of times larger 
than the original work. Among the city walls and numerous houses and trees, there are one thousand and sixty-eight moving figures, seventy-three ambling cattle, and twenty-nine boats transporting goods and people, all helping to vividly depict. The hustle and bustle of daily life in Dongjing, the ancient capital of the Northern Song Dynasty, which spanned from 960 until 1127. The masterpiece is displayed in three sections based on specific scenes, namely the suburban landscape, the Bianhe River. And a street view of Dongjing, visitors can gain a comprehensive understanding of how China used to look, one thousand years ago, from its booming economic development, and flourishing business and trade, to its highly developed handicraft industries and complex travel networks. The exhibition runs from July the second to August the twenty-seventh in Nanning. After its debut at the Shanghai Expo in 2010, the moving scroll has travelled to Singapore, Malaysia, and New Zealand to meet the public. This is special English. A new plan to preserve and promote the culture of China's Yangtze River has been unveiled, jointly issued by the Ministry of Culture and Tourism, the National Cultural Heritage Administration, and the National Development and Reform Commission. The plan outlines the major goals. Including protecting the cultural relics and cultural heritage along the Yangtze River, improving related tourism services and cultural products, constructing national cultural parks, and launching outstanding literary and artistic works themed on the river. As well as promoting international cultural exchanges, the plan is aimed at helping the third longest river in the world to benefit from the high-quality development of the Yangtze River economic belt, while at the same time contributing not only to people's livelihoods, but to the culture. Of the country, stretching for over six thousand three hundred kilometers, from the Qinghai Shizang Plateau in the west, the Yangtze River runs through eleven provincial-level regions before emptying into the East China Sea near Shanghai. As the longest river in China. It is considered an icon of the Chinese nation, and is one of the two great waterways 
that have nurtured Chinese civilization, along with the Yellow River. You're listening to Special English. The world's largest hydropower project, China's Three Gorges Hydroelectric Power Station, on the Yangtze River, has generated over one thousand. 600 terawatt hours of clean electricity since 2003, when its first generator unit was put into operation. The amount of electricity totals the sum of the whole year direct use electricity by Chinese residents last year. It is also equivalent to saving over 480 million tons of standard coal and reducing carbon dioxide emissions by over 1.3 billion tons. With 34 hydropower turbo generators, the power station has a total installed capacity. Of twenty-two point five gigawatts, and a designed annual power generation capacity of over eighty-eight terawatt hours. The project is the backbone of China's west-to-east power transmission and North-to-South mutual electricity supply projects. It also provides electricity to other areas and regions, including East China, Central China, and South China's Guangdong province. The construction of the Three Gorges project. Started in 1994, after passing all acceptance tests, the power station was officially certified as fully completed and functioning in 2020. Besides electricity generation, the Three Gorges power station has also played a significant role in flood control. Shipping and water resource utilization. It makes up the world's largest clean energy corridor, along with another five mega hydropower stations on the Yangtze River, namely Wudongde, Baihetan, Shilodu, Xiangjiaba, and Gejoba. Spanning one thousand eight hundred kilometers, with a hundred and ten hydropower units, the clean energy corridor boasts an average annual electricity production of about three hundred terawatt hours, which is crucial to building a low carbon, safe, and efficient energy system in China. You're listening to Special English.
Golden Huang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted, and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Loved Dunhuam, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuam and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on the major podcast platforms. Why We Loved Dunhuam. You will have your answers. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Don't forget you can enjoy everything from past episodes to exclusive content on our website, radio.cgtn.com. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook at CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. You're listening to Special English. A Chinese expedition team has measured the thickness of snow on Mount Chomalangma with a precise ground-penetrating radar and the mean depth estimates at the summit are 9.5 meters with a margin of error of plus or minus 1.2 meters. That is according to a newly published paper in the journal The Cryosphere. The data was obtained in May last year during a Mount Chomalangma expedition, which formed part of the country's second comprehensive scientific expedition on the Qinghai Shizang Plateau. Exploring the snow depth on Mount Chomalangma is among the tasks of this scientific endeavor. Yang Wei, a researcher with the Chinese Academy of Sciences, said that by adopting radar profile measurement methods, the expedition team used the 1,000 megahertz thickness measuring radar to measure along the exposed bedrock at the top of Mount Chomalangma and gradually to the summit. He added that the radar measurements displayed a gradual increasing transition of snow depth along the north slope, which made it easy for researchers to interpret the data precisely. Yao Tan Dong, team leader of the second scientific expedition, said that the survey results will provide data support for the study of the dynamic changes of the ultra-high altitude cryosphere and the lithosphere at the top of Mount Chomalangma, and also provide a new direction for a deeper understanding of ultra-high altitude climate changes.
This is Special English. The Beijing Raptor Rescue Center received ninety-one baby raptors in June, after conducting physical examinations and providing needed treatments and rehabilitation. Center staff are gradually choosing places like city parks and suburban areas to release the healthy. Young birds. Beijing is home to dozens of kinds of raptors, which are predatory birds that play an important role in pest control and maintaining environmental health and ecological balance. While some raptors, such as eagles, are quite large, others are considerably smaller. Including Oriental, Scops owls, and common kestrels, which are so common in cities that they even nest outside air conditioners. Joe Lay, a rehabilitation therapist at the center, said that May and June are the months during which many raptors are born. And soon afterward, they must learn to fly. It is around this time that the center receives many calls for help. Joe said, "Concerned citizens take the baby birds they find to the police station or neighborhood committee, and if they are confirmed to be raptors, the staff will go and pick them up." Injuries and malnutrition are now the main threats to raptors, due to habitat destruction and other human factors. At present, all raptors in China are under national level first or second class protection. For example, the common kestrel in Beijing is under second class protection, and. The Saker falcon falls under first-class protection. The Beijing Raptor Rescue Center was established in 2001 and has treated more than 5,800 raptors over the past 20 years. After receiving the birds, the center conducts physical examinations and then treats them. Or provides them with supplemental nutrition based on their conditions. Staff members then carry out rehabilitation, and after assessing the bird's ability to fly, they will be released. There are currently more than eighty raptors in the outdoor aviaries and cages at the center, most of which are young birds. Every day. Raptor rehabilitator Joe Lay and her colleagues bring the birds to a medical examination room for health checks. Joe explained that the weight of a bird of prey is one of the main indicators of health, and the rise and fall of their weight can reflect whether they are eating normally and recovering. 
She said that raptors have a light body structure and extremely keen vision and hearing. The bird's beaks are hooked, and their claws are sharp and strong. So rehabilitators need to be careful when working with them. Joe also advised people who come across injured raptors to not cage them. Instead, they should put the birds in boxes and close them carefully. Joe said raptors can't be put in cages, which will hurt their wings. She also advised those who find baby birds to contact rescue agencies as soon as possible. You're listening to Special English. That is the end of this edition of Special English. To recap, I'm going to read one of the news items again at normal speed. Please listen carefully. The Beijing Raptor Rescue Center received 91 baby raptors in June. After conducting physical examinations and providing needed treatments and rehabilitation, center staff are gradually choosing places like city parks and suburban areas to release the healthy young birds. Beijing is home to dozens of kinds of raptors, which are predatory birds that play an important role in pest control and maintaining environmental health and ecological balance. While some raptors, such as eagles, are quite large, others are considerably smaller, including oriental scops owls and common kestrels, which are so common in cities that they even nest outside air conditioners. Joe Lay, a rehabilitation therapist at the centre, said that May and June are the months during which many raptors are born, and soon afterward they must learn to fly. It is around this time that the centre receives many calls for help. Joe said concerned citizens take the baby birds they find to the police station or neighbourhood committee, and if they are confirmed to be raptors, the staff will go and pick them up. Injuries and malnutrition are now the main threats to raptors due to habitat destruction and other human factors. At present, all raptors in China are under national-level first or second-class protection. For example, the common kestrel in Beijing is under second-class protection, and the Saker falcon falls under first-class protection. The Beijing Raptor Rescue Center was established in 2001 and has treated more than 5,800 raptors over the past 20 years. After receiving the birds, the center conducts physical examinations and then treats them or provides them with supplemental nutrition based on their conditions. Staff members then carry out rehabilitation and after assessing the birds' ability to fly, they will be released. There are currently more than 80 raptors in the outdoor aviaries and cages at the centre, most of which are young birds. Every day, raptor rehabilitator Joe Lay and her colleagues bring the birds to a medical examination room for health checks. Joe explained that the weight of a bird of prey is one of the main indicators of health, and the rise and fall of their weight can reflect whether they are eating normally and recovering. She said that raptors have a light body structure, and extremely keen vision and hearing. The bird's beaks are hooked, and their claws are sharp and strong, so rehabilitators need to be careful when working with them. Joe also advised people who come across injured raptors to not cage them. Instead, they should put the birds in boxes and close them carefully. 
Joe said raptors can't be put in cages which will hurt their wings. She also advised those who find baby birds to contact rescue agencies as soon as possible. That is the end of today's programme. I hope you'll join us every day to learn English at a slower pace. 